Well, I'm fairly certain there's nothing I can say today that will be as close to God as that offering solo was this morning. Thank you for that gift. Um, I've gotten pretty comfortable just taking up the offering and sitting in the back, so it's a little different today. Uh, but uh, I'm grateful to be with you today, and um, I have the wonderful challenge of moving us from the joy and the hosanna of Palm Sunday to Jesus actually saying something and people not liking it very much, which is the invitation that we have this weekend. To what it is for us to understand what it means to be saved by the actions and the words of Jesus Christ. And so I invite you now to share with me in Mark, the 14th chapter, verses 31 through 74. Listen for God's word. Jesus said to him, that would be Peter, Truly I tell you this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But Peter said vehemently, even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the other disciples said the same thing. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John and, and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to the point of death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Jesus came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, Jesus went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and he found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy and they did not know what to say to him. Jesus came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough! The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Immediately while Jesus was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priest, the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi, and Judas kissed him. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me, but let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. 
Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimonies did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy the temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Finally, the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent, did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? Why do we... You've heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? And all of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! The guards also took him over and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But Peter denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you are talking about. And so Peter went on into the forecourt, and then the cock crowed, and the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for the second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And Peter broke down, and he wept. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we have to be careful not getting too judgy about this one, right? I mean... We, we all know what it is to deny God, to deny what it is that we're supposed to know. I was telling Beth earlier, I'm, I'm really nervous today. Part of it, I, I'm, I'm pretty good usually at trying to keep a good PC. Presbyterian Church USA, we like to use our brains to stay a nice distance from the text. But I'm finding the less I preach, the more difficult that is. I'm not very good at just not being me. My players know that. Some of them are here today. I say a lot. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. So I want to share with you a story of my senior year in high school. Um, I still was with my first girlfriend, which was basketball at that time. <laughs> and there was this sweet girl named Deanna McCarley, and I had every class with Deanna. She was really smart, became our valedictorian, and it turns out that late in our senior year, she apparently had a crush on me that all of my friends like to tease me about on a regular basis. And I thought she was a nice girl, but I just wasn't interested because she wasn't around and I couldn't throw her in a hoop at the time. <laughs> and so we went to take who's who pictures and she was most likely to succeed and as fate would have it, so was I. So we had to get pictures taken together at the Birmingham Botanical Gardens with most of my friends also being part of the who's who court to rag me about it all day. And I would have been harassed over and over about this. 
And finally we got our pictures made and we're sitting around and we're in this gazebo and all my guys have gathered behind me. They're teasing me. I'm sitting on the seat. And all of a sudden I've just had enough of it. And I say, I am so sick of Deanna McCarley. And about that time, the waters part, I imagine something like the Red Sea. And Deanna McCarley is sitting right behind this group of guys. And I have to say that that was the first time in my life that I realized I wasn't a Christian. It was the first moment in my life, because I was supposed to be the vice president of FCA and the Christian Athlete of the Year, which I have a nice plaque in a box somewhere all about. But it was in that moment as I looked Deanna McCarley in the face and saw the hurt that I put on her that I realized my Christianity apparently didn't mean very much. Because in that moment, the opinion of my buddies, the opinion of other people meant more than me being the person that Christ called me to be. Because I can assure you to this day, that little girl had never done anything to hurt me. And I remember taking a lot of time, probably on five different occasions in the last 20 years, to tell her I'm still sorry. But it never quite shakes me. You see, in that moment, I denied no differently than Peter. I denied that I knew Jesus. In that moment, I said, there's things that are more important, and I'm too scared of the consequences of actually following through with the commitment we make when we say, I believe in Jesus. And we all do that. But the thing is, too easily in our society, especially today where the truth is so confusing, we use that as an excuse for everybody does it. And in this text, as we read this story, that, that seriousness, that denying Jesus becomes dead serious. This week, we have to confront what it is that's true in us, what it is about our story that we are denying being part of this community and this person of Jesus Christ. It starts with Peter, and then it moves on into the garden in our story. All Jesus asked his friends, his disciples, his 12 closest people in the world, the 12 people who have gone around with him, sometimes not knowing when they're going to eat or where they're going to sleep for three years, those people, the ones he can most depend upon, which, let's be honest, Jesus is about 30 years old. It's hard to find 12 people like that at age 30. Right? It was easy in high school to have a lot of friends, but as we get older, it becomes harder and harder to find the people we really can depend upon. At that age, Jesus is in the garden with his friends, and maybe some of them he already made decisions about, so he just takes three of them a little further along. And all he asks of the disciples, all he says, because the soldiers are approaching, everything is coming, and all he says is, just stay awake and pray. Could you just stay awake and pray? And then Jesus goes on, and he's so exhausted. He's so brokenhearted. He's so whatever it is that we can't fully discern in the mind of God that lies within Jesus, that he falls down. And he even tells them, I'm at the point of death. That's how down he is. I'm at the point of death. And he says, let this pass from me. And if you just stay awake and pray. And then after an hour of this, after an hour of him pouring his heart out of everything that he's feeling, he turns and they're all asleep. These people that were supposed to be the ones that were with him, that had, these are the ones that had walked side by side with him. They've all fallen asleep. 
And it happens three different times. It's not just Peter that denies. It's all of them three times. And finally, Jesus says, enough. The hour has come. The time is now. He tells them, keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. And I think what we're being called to in this Holy Week when Jesus says that is it's not about not coming to the time of trial in which we're put before God. But don't come to the time of trial before we're put before the world. Jesus is saying, come before this trial. Come before me. Be with me in this. That's the invitation. And that's one reason why I'm so nervous this morning, because there was no way as I read through this this week that I could not be myself and say some of what I've experienced in this. Because when Jesus says, enough, and talks about false testimony and says that he knows what it is to want to die because of people betraying him, man, have I been there. Most of you probably don't know my whole story. Very few of you do. But I moved to Scottsboro four years ago to run a camp run a church camp, and I preach to y'all about it and try to get y'all to help us out with some money and all that stuff. And little did I know, the exact same week that Brian and Micah came here to be at this church was the same week that I was terminated from my job. I had to face 15 false allegations before 90 people in my presbytery. And in the same day, I lost my house, my church, my camp, my denomination, everything. Everything was gone. And when I read this story, I just can't help but be back there because there was moments in time when I read Jesus say, let this cup pass from me. There was moments in time when I came and read that and said, was Jesus saying, let this death pass from me? Or was he saying, let these people pass from me and go ahead and bring me home? Because I've been there. I've been there laying on the ground saying, Jesus, just go ahead and take me. And I know some of you have been there too. And as we enter into Holy Week, we enter the week to find out the truth about who we are. We can not deny that part of ourselves. We cannot deny that pain because Jesus didn't and he calls us not to do it either. For if we can't be in that place with the people that we love and that care about us and be vulnerable with those people, well, where in the world are we else, else going to find it? But I want to tell you the joy of that whole experience they were very small. I faced, it took two years to have my name cleared of everything that was wrong that was accused of it, but I finally got there. But I have to tell you that my dad is not an easy man to live with. And the one moment that stands out in the whole two years is there was a six hour day where I faced all these allegations. And after four hours, I was about like Jesus and I got up and said, I've had enough. I can't be in here anymore. And I went to get lunch. Let me pause there for a second because you've got to know my dad. So when we got married, this is my dad's speech. I'm giving it word for word minus one curse word because I don't want to use it in church. My dad stands up and says, congratulations, son. I remember when I first met Leanne, she was sitting on our couch. And I looked at her. I looked at you. I looked at her. And I looked at you. And I said, how did he pull this off? Have a good marriage. Whole speech. Fast forward a few years and Lynn gets pregnant. We call her dad. He doesn't answer the phone. 
We call my mom. She didn't answer the phone, so I think I've got a great idea. Number three, we'll call Dad and see what he has to say. I call my father and I say, Hey, Dad, how do you feel about being a grandfather? Now, some of you out there know this moment because you've gotten to have it. It's a joyful moment that no one will ever forget. And my dad says, Well, son, I have my reservations. My dad has never in 38 years of my life, I'm 40 now, but for 38 years, not one time did he ever say the right thing. And I love him, and he is a faithful man who sat in the back pew and takes up the offering for however many years he's been going to church, which is one reason why I enjoy doing it. But after four hours of being devastated and destroyed in front of these people and being in lunch, my dad asked everybody to leave the room, and it was just the two of us. And he looked me in the face and he said, son, for 38 years, people have deservedly given me a hard time because I give everybody a hard time. And most people make fun of me and quit on me and give up. He said, but for 38 years, you've always been the one that sat there and taken all my crap. He used other words. And you're going to go into that room and you're going to look at every one of those people like you're, they're your father. And you're going to get through it. And when we care about the truth over what makes us successful, when we care about the truth over what it is that tears our heart out, when we care about the truth over whatever our time of trial is, that moment becomes worth everything over all the other pain we experience. Because in that moment, my dad said he loved me in a way he didn't know how, but what he said to me is, son, I believe that you believe in the truth. And you can get through this because you do. And I did. And we did. And now we're all here trying to figure out what the truth is. That's what we're called to do. We're called this week to encounter truth in a world that no longer seems to care about it. And one of the hardest things for me as someone who's been a pastor and who's been serving a life for the church is there's times it just feels like the church has fallen asleep while the world just keeps on going along. That the church has decided to reduce itself to political arguments instead of actually sharing something that might be different from what the world has to share. The truth is we all live behind our stones, the ones we throw and the ones that crush us under their weight. Holy Week is about laying our stones down. Holy Week's about letting go of all that and giving it over to God and letting God take it away. Both those stones we throw, we lay them down and we say, God, I don't want to throw this anymore. And those throw stones that are crushing us, we say, God, please, I have nothing left. Come take this from me. And really, at the end of the day, I think this week is all about keeping away. It's not about declaring our faith. It's about searching for it. It's about finding some way to say, my eyes are open right now to seeing what is true in this world. And to accepting and admitting what's true in mine. And sharing that with one another in such a way that the world changes one little small relationship at a time. When Jesus comes to you this week, and he will, I assure you he will come. You may just not know it's him at the time. 
It might be a student. It might be a coworker. It might be a fast food worker taking your order. It might be someone at Walmart. But at some time, Jesus is going to come to you this week and say, do you love me? Do you believe in me? And are you willing to do the hard thing in this moment to say, yeah, I believe the truth? Because if someone comes to me this week and says, are you a Christian? Do you believe? I don't know what I'll say. But it'll probably sound something like, well, for now, I'm going to keep awake. Until this child, born in a manger, marching through the palm leaves, who gave up everything, who Jesus chose to be, who God chose to be born into this world in to give up everything for us. For now, I'm going to keep awake until I find him again. That's the truth that we hold. That's the truth while we're here. And that's the truth that we depart with on this Palm Sunday. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit go with you in keeping awake. And know that when you're asleep, God still loves you anyway. Amen.